Welcome to Time Out with Troy on 101.9 FM. Hello everyone and welcome to show number two of Time Out with Troy. My name is Troy Langstaff. Uh, we have a pretty exciting show here today. I was lucky enough to sit down uh, with one of Queen's University's best athletes and someone who I talked about on last week's show. And then later on, we'll get into my brutal football predictions from last week. And then we'll talk about the, Pierre, the Patrick Laine, Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, the NWHL, the Tokyo Olympics, and more, all time permitting, of course. That being said, we'll start off with an On This Day in History, and then I'll let you guys all listen in on the interview. So, on this day in history, all the way back in 1943, Doug Bentley sets the NHL record with five points in a game. Um, so yeah, there's the first one. Closer to the end of the show, I'll let you hear another one. So here's the interview with uh, one of Queen's University's best athletes. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me here today. We have a very special guest with us, uh, someone who I talked about on last week's show, and we're very thankful and fortunate to have her here with us today. Uh, please welcome Sophie to Goody. Sophie, thank you for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. Uh, so my first few questions are actually about the Top 8 Academic All-Canadian Award that you just received recently. Um, after the year that we've all had and the challenges and pivots that I'm sure you've had to make academically and athletically, what does that mean to you to be rewarded for your efforts and to, you know, have it all pay off? It's definitely neat to be recognized for, for an award that acknowledges not only um, sports, but academics as well. Um, sort of more of a, of a whole, whole perspective on what a student athlete does. So it's a pretty... Yeah, um, honored and uh, yeah, especially in light of everything that's going on with COVID, uh, it was nice to have some uh, some positive news come through. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, it's hard to imagine what the life of a student athlete would be like, let alone a dual sport athlete like yourself uh, with basketball and rugby. So, how have you managed that, and not only managed it, but you know, how have you excelled at it as well? Yeah, um, when I decided to come to Queens, um, we. Uh, before I made my decision, I'd been uh, chatting with the coaches, obviously, and they were really willing to work together um, from both rugby and basketball. So that um, that made life a lot easier for me when I got here. Um, both coaches were really understanding and, and all my teammates were really understanding as well for me hopping from practice to practice. And, um, and some days are longer than others and um, schoolwork you know, how it ebbs and flows throughout the semester. Um, but I find as long as you can sort of map out a few months, sometimes weeks ahead, then uh, if you know what you need to get done in the day, you can you can schedule things out and I keep a pretty tight schedule and um, that makes it more manageable, right? Just knowing that I'm not missing anything. So yeah, but I genuinely enjoy both rugby and basketball and the commerce program. So uh, it makes it not not too um not too tedious yeah i was gonna say i'm i mean i'm sure it'd be a lot easier especially if you like the things that you're doing uh that'd be one busy schedule yeah <laughs> um, um but yeah like you mentioned going to queens what was that recruitment process like with both sports yeah so originally i got um contacted by uh our basketball program um they reached out to me um, they'd heard about me playing. I'm from Victoria, 
BC. So they'd heard about me um, and seen some film of me playing from out there and playing with our provincial team. And so they got in contact with me and I said, that's great, but I want to play rugby and basketball at university. So um, if you're willing to um, have me there playing both, then I'd love to continue the conversation. If not, then I'm going to be looking elsewhere. And um, they were really, um, really open to the idea of me playing both sports. Um, they made sure I knew that it, it would be a tough to tough to juggle, but um, I understood that going in. And, and so then we opened up the conversation to the rugby program as well. Um, and I came out on a visit and when I came to Kingston, um, loved being near Lake Ontario because I'm from near the ocean. So being near a big body of water, um, the town was big enough that it had some big town amenities, but small enough that it still felt homey. And, and I just kind of fell in love with the, the campus and the, the vibe at Queens. And, and that's how I ended up making my decision. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's awesome. So you knew going into university that you wanted to play both? It wasn't just like the basketball team came or called. It, it was your decision and you wanted to do that? Yeah. So originally when I was um, just beginning high school, I was looking at going just to the States for basketball. But I've always played um, lots of sports growing up and, and um, been most successful in rugby and basketball. And I just didn't, wasn't ready to give it up to just pursue one. And I figured if I could do both at a Canadian university, then why not give it a go? Um, and I'm really, really happy that I did because it's worked out well. Yeah, you actually just answered a couple of my other questions there. Um, the first I was going to ask was, uh, when did basketball come into the equation? Because I know your family's full of Canadian rugby legends. So when did you start playing basketball? Yeah, so... Like you said, both my parents played um, with the Canadian national team for rugby. My One of my brothers played on the Canadian national team. The other one played at our local club. So that's always been in the family. But um, my parents never forced me to, to play rugby or to concentrate on rugby. And so we'd always go watch um, University of Victoria Vikes games. And basketball was one of the, the sports that we went to watch. And there was a a local coach that was at one of the games and saw that I was tall for my age. This would have been in like grade three or four. And um, yeah, he said, you want to come try out for our team? And and that's kind of where I got started with basketball and then made um, more representative teams along the way. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, that's all the questions I have for Queens. Um, but moving to Saracens, um, did, did I say that right? Yes, you got Saracen. it. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So my first uh, question is just signing with a pro team. I can only imagine that's one heck of an experience, and you know that's something that you won't forget for the rest of your life. So take me through that signing process and what was that whole experience like? Yeah, it was. Um, I'd been thinking about coming out here after I finished university, but then with um, COVID canceling our U Sports rugby season, and um, at the time that I made my decision, we were pretty sure it was going to cancel our basketball season which it which it did end up doing um I decided you know why not now at least I'll be able to play games and it's a great um great training environment we have highly qualified coaches and and really experienced international um, players that I'm playing with over here so um why not get that experience now while the opportunity presents itself and I can do school online and um, we're leading into a World Cup in 2021 for our, 
our national women's rugby team. So I wanted to keep playing and to, to get more games under my belt. And, and so I think, you know, um, silver lining to, to COVID, if you can try to find one for me, it was that I was able to have this, um, this experience in the build up to a world cup. So. Yeah, that's great. I've actually seen, I mean, you know, it, it happens a lot in a bunch of different sports players going to different leagues to not only get games under their belt, but to stay fresh, right? Yeah, exactly. Wow. Uh, my second question with your Saracens team is, well, I have, I have a guess as to what you're going to say here, but what is the biggest difference between Saracens and U sports? Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, um, I, I would say Queens has been, we have a really um, professional training environment um, as a university. Our university program is really, really well run under Dan Valley and, and Queens athletics more broadly. Um but coming over here, it's just getting to play with more experienced players daily. Um, that has been really advantageous for me in learning from them. Um, we have two World Cup winners on our team. So it's just um, a great environment for me to, me to be in developmentally. Um, and then the, you know, the level of rugby with that many international players across the league is, is higher than... Um, at youth sports which is to be expected um but yeah it's been great for me so far right yeah my guess was that you were going to say something like the speed of the game was different because normally when you jump into a different league that's the case yeah you're you're not wrong there <laughs> yeah. right on yeah you also mentioned earlier um about the world cup that i have the dates here actually if i'm not mistaken september october and yeah then... final is october 16th awesome and then the olympics is july 31st um hoping that's the Olympics are going on. Um, I know that the Olympics is July 31st. That's when the finals take place. It's rugby sevens. Are you planning on doing both? Did you play rugby sevens? What's the situation there? So when I was in grade 12, um, I trained um, with the rugby, our national rugby sevens team. They're based out of Victoria. So that's a centralized program. So they train every day out in Victoria. And that, that meant when I decided to go to university to play rugby and basketball at Queens, I had to leave the sevens program because I wouldn't be able to, to train with them every day. Right. So while I've been at university, I've decided to focus on, on 15s and World Cup. And then um, after I finish my university career, if there are spots available on the sevens team, and um, I might look at going back there. Um, but as of right now, World Cup is, uh, is my focus. But I yeah. definitely know a lot of the girls that are in that um, going to be on that Olympic team, and I'll be cheering them on for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Having you know played all those games with Team Canada, I can only imagine. Um, I don't have this written down here, but you grew, so you grew up in Victoria. You've played rugby with Queens here in Kingston, and now you're over in the UK playing with Saracens. I guess you're used to traveling. I mean, have you ever been to New Zealand or ever played in New Zealand before? Um, I actually, New Zealand is one of the places I haven't played yet, but, um, my parents and I went to the world cup, the men's world cup in New Zealand in 2011. And we were there for about a month, um, followed the Canadian team around, watched two of the quarterfinals and the all blacks play. So I have an idea of how rugby mad that country is and, oh, and yeah. what it's like to be at a rugby world cup in New Zealand. So it would be a, an insane atmosphere. And I'm really looking forward to that. That's sweet. I guess you get a VIP pass with your parents having played, right? Yeah. I, well, I my uh, parents are both on the Rugby Canada board, so we 
we were able to score some sweet tickets and um, it was a really neat experience as an 11 year old. So I'm excited to do it as a 21 year old. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, those are all the questions I have. Well, actually, I guess I have one last one here. It's sort of a fun question, I guess, but if you could play one sport professionally, not rugby or basketball, what would it be and why? Um, I'm going to go with tennis, um, which might be a bit weird because it's more of an individual sport mm-hmm. and I love being in a team atmosphere. So that's the one con about it for me. But I think I love the, the global travel, travel that you get with tennis um, I love how well supported the women's game of tennis is compared to a lot of other professional sports for women um, currently. Obviously, it's growing, but and then I just think the sport, like they're such incredible athletes, the endurance, the power, the lateral quickness. Um, and obviously, Serena Williams is is a goat women's athlete. So it'd be pretty neat to uh, to try to follow her footsteps if in this uh, ulterior alternate world (laughs) yeah fair enough that's typically the answer i get when i ask that question to female athletes it's either tennis or golf because that's you know where you'll make the most money it seems like (laughs) that's a positive for sure yeah so that's all the questions i have for you uh thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me and we wish you the best of luck with your academics, your athletics, and whatever else you have going on. So thank you so much and stay safe. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, great stuff there. Um, I'd just like to take the chance right now to thank Sophie once again uh, for taking the time out of her busy, busy schedule, as we mentioned, <laughs> uh, to sit down and chat all the way from the UK. Now, like I said, the first thing that I want to address my football predictions from last week. The only reason I wanted to do predictions on this show was because I was watching whatever sports show it was the other day, um, I guess a couple weeks ago, because it was before one of the NFL playoff games between Tampa Bay and New Orleans. And one of the analysts, they were making their predictions for the game, and one of the analysts said that the Saints were going to win by 17 points. And then, of course, we all know the story, Tom Brady and the Bucks went on to win that game. And then a couple days ago, after Tom Brady uh, beat the Packers to move on to the Super Bowl, so there was another uh, video clip circulating the Twitterverse of another host. I'm not going to name his name, but said all the way back in 2015 or 2016, around those years, that Tom Brady was going to fall off a cliff. His career was going to take a big nosedive, and he was done. And now we know what he's done in the five or six years uh, ensuing that. So this is why... For those reasons is why I don't feel bad about making my predictions. I'm a a bit of a nobody. I know less than these guys. So what's it matter if I get it wrong? So that being said, my predictions, like I mentioned uh, last weekend, I took Green Bay to win by 10 points and they lost by five. I also took Buffalo to win by three points. 24 to 21. I didn't think Patrick Mahomes was going to be 100%. But then Kansas City, even though they were down 9 nothing to start the game, went on to beat the Bills by 14 points. That's about it. You know what? I'm going to make my predictions for the Super Bowl next week. So we're only a few days out. Um, next week, I, or this week and next week, I could spend a whole show talking about Tom Brady's record, what's on the line, Patrick Mahomes. Is he going to be the next Tom Brady? Blah, 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 blah. Who knows? So... We'll do that next week instead. So my first topic for today's show, other than the predictions, is going to be the Patrick Laine pierre luc Dubois trade. So this one happened earlier in the week. Patrick Laine and Roslovich were traded for Dubois. Dubois and Laine, both guys, super young, only 22 years old. 
And they were both drafted second and third overall, respectively, even in the 2016 draft. First overall, that was for those Leaf fans, that was the year Matthews went first overall. Um, based on production, just looking at the points here, Line A had 250 points in 306 career games, and he made the All-Star game during his rookie season. Dubois had 159 points in about 60 less games. He was out with an injury, but in terms of production over the last two seasons, they've been about even, 113 points and 110 points. Now, with the trade, I think the Jets, I mean, I think we can all agree that the Jets are in the conversation for the best one-two center punch in the NHL with Mark Scheifele and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, in ter- on the Blue Jackets side, this trade will be pointless if they can't get Line A to sign long-term, and he's set to become a free agent in the next couple of years. Um, in my opinion on this trade, I think that I think Dubois is a more complete pe- player, and I think the Jets won the trade. Um, Patrick Line, there's no question that he's an elite goal scorer, but I just think Dubois is more well-rounded and a good fit for the Jets instead of Line. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, we'll see what happens. I hope both guys, you know, they're not even in their prime yet. Like I said, both guys are 22, but I hope I hope this trade works out for both. Maybe both guys just needed to change the scenery. It was clear that Dubois wanted out of Columbus. His relationship with Tom or John Tortorella did not seem to be the greatest, but who knows? Hopefully things are turn around. Like I said, hopefully things turn around for both guys. So that's all I have to say on that topic. Next up, we're going to move into the NWHL, the National Women's Hockey League. For those of you that don't know, the NWHL was established in 2015. Uh, it was actually the first professional women's hockey league in North America to pay its players. Now, you would say, oh, what about the Canadian Women's Hockey League? Uh, yes, it existed, but the NWHL was the first. They started paying their players before the CWHL did. Anyways, as we all know, the CWHL folded, and this is really the, own, the only major women's hockey league in North America. Uh, there's there's only six teams, but I think, you know, like you saw in the, in the CWHL, to compare, there was only, you know, around around the same amount of teams. This is, of course, the very first season for the Toronto Six. They just won their first game two or three days ago. It was a 2-1 win. Um, this league is really exciting. I highly recommend it. They're, they're, they stream their games live on Twitch. It's 100% free. You don't have to pay a dime. Um, but the way that they're doing this season with covid they're doing a bubble just like the nba playoffs and the nhl playoffs did last year also the world juniors um the season's taking place from january 23rd to february 5th the teams will be playing in a tournament style regular season um each team is going to play all the other teams once so each team gets five games now in a normal year teams would see each other about six times six or seven times and this season they're just going to see each other once um, like I said, you can watch the game on Twitch. The two uh, semifinal games, they're playing for the Isabel Cup. Also, if you actually do some research, it's a pretty interesting name. It's its really, it's related to the Stanley Cup as well, if you want to check that out as well. I don't know the, the details, so I don't want to say anything right now, but it's pretty interesting. Anyways, the two uh, Isabel Cup semifinal games and the final are going to be aired by NBCSN. That's an American network. Uh, so for fans in the U.S. and it'll be globally streamed on Twitch. I'm not 100% sure, but I think either TSN or SportsCenter will be showing those games. Not 100% sure. Um, also, another interesting fact about this tournament is that all games are being played at the 1980 uh, rink, the Herb Brooks Arena in Lake Placid. For those for you non-hockey fans, that was when the 
underdog Americans beat the Soviet Union in the 1980 Olympics, men's hockey. There's a movie on it called Miracle, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, highly recommend you go watching that. Anyways, this women's hockey league is exciting. I watched a little bit of the of the first three uh, Toronto Six games, and these play like this is really big. I've seen bigger hits in this uh, in these games than I have seen in the NHL season. Um, it's crazy. I, yes, there's no body contact; they get penalized for it, but it's still crazy to watch these. These games are physical. They're they're fast. They're entertaining. Um, so that's all I have to say on the NWHL. Now I'm going to talk about the Tokyo Olympics. If you're if you're on Twitter, if you're following all those those sports accounts like Bleacher Report, Sports Center, and ESPN or whatever it, the case may be, you might have seen a couple tweets going out on the, about the possible cancellation or the the uh, rumored confirmed cancellation of the Tokyo Olympics. It's, it's they're not canceled but we all thought they they might have been the speculation after doing some research here the speculation was reignited last week after a newspaper in the UK reported that the Japanese government had privately concluded that the games would have to be canceled now chief executor executive of beverage giant Suntory Holdings told CNBC on Tuesday some conditions must be met for the Olympics to be held obviously but the uh, someone did a survey or a recent poll on the majority of people in Japan, and about 80%, 80% of those surveyed do not want the Tokyo Olympics to be held this summer. Um, they were already delayed from last year. The one thing that I'm, the biggest thing that I'm upset about is that they're not going to use that sweet logo that's like a once-in-a-lifetime logo with the Japanese uh, flag and the 2020 like wording with the Olympic rings. Anyways, it looked really cool. I'm upset that they're not going to get to use that. Anyways, I actually did, had an assignment last semester in class where we had to debate our classmates. And one of the topics that we had to debate was whether they should go ahead with the Tokyo Olympics. The side that I was stuck with was I had to argue that the Olympics should not go forward. They should be canceled. That's what I had to argue. And after doing the research, I kind of agree with it. The reasons that I came up with are obviously COVID. That's the number one reason. The Japanese or Japan, excuse me, is too populous. Tokyo is one of the most populous areas in the world. I think also with COVID, there's a chance that there wouldn't be any opening or closing ceremonies, or even if there was the athletes, I'm sure the athletes wouldn't get to like walk down or through the stadium or whatever. Uh, Tokyo is going to lose out on all the tourism that they normally get. And there's a bunch of new sports being introduced at these Olympics as well. So I don't think this is a good idea to really uh, showcase those games at um, these Olympics. There's also the chance that uh, less countries would participate because of their regulations and all the medical supplies that would be needed at these Olympics that you could be taking from, you know, hospitals, blah, 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 blah. And one of my biggest points I came up with was that athletes lost a bunch of training time over six months, maybe a year of preparation for these Olympics. Um, yeah, you could argue that they had, you know, special, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyways, they got to blur the lines of of whatever and got to maybe get in the gyms because they're they're star athletes but anyways they lost a bunch of a preparation that you could argue so anyways i don't think the games should go forward it's upsetting i think the last time the games got canceled were because of world war ii and world war one so anyways that's all i have to say 
on the Tokyo Olympics for that matter. Let's uh, move next to the Poirier versus McGregor fight. I hyped that fight up last week. Poirier versus McGregor too. It was going to be a good fight. Um, of course, Poirier won uh, via TKO in round two. Poirier was ranked the number two fighter in the world heading into UFC 257. And it was a surprise to um, Dustin Poirier was ranked number two in the world heading into the fight. And it's kind of surprising considering that all the hype was really around McGregor. And McGregor, after that loss, is now three and three in his past six fights. So that's kind of crazy. Um, but anyways, Dana, Dana White, the commissioner of UFC, after the fight was talking about McGregor's future. And he said we'll see. He said, end quote, we'll see. I'm I'm sure in a few hours he'll be blowing me up, telling me a million things he wants to do. We'll see what he wants to do from here. There's always a trilogy when you've got one, one, end quote. That's pretty exciting for UFC fans in general. I mean, McGregor just got dummied. I think that was the first time he's been knocked out in a fight. I'm not 100% sure. Don't call me on that. But the first fight was a, was a good one. The second fight was a good one. And I think the third one's obviously going to be the best out of the three if, the, if, it, if it does go down. But anyways, McGregor doesn't seem like the fighter he used to be. He's still bringing in tons of money for the UFC and himself. And also another point is McGregor has a bunch of money now. Or this, That was really his goal. He was a, you know unknown fighter. And he was so dominant in his prime in the UFC and now that he's like won a bunch of money like what's what's the point now right at this point for McGregor it's just about his his pride and, and you know winning the winning the fights he doesn't care about the money anymore but anyways that's on that hopefully there is a you know a, a, a trilogy to the fight because that'd be super exciting moving on to the Super Bowl now I said I wasn't going to talk about the Super Bowl I'm not going to talk about the Super Bowl but I want to talk about the fans that are going to attend there's going to be 22,000 fans attending the Super Bowl in or around there. The NFL invited 7,500 vaccinated healthcare workers to the Super Bowl for free in uh, all expenses paid trips, which is absolutely incredible. Kudos to the NFL and kudos to all healthcare workers that have been dealing with this pandemic. Congratulations. That's the least thing um, that anyone could do. Now, on top of that, those 7,500, like I said, another 14,000 additional fans, which have total 22,000, uh, 14,500 fans who purchased tickers to, tickets to attend. This is going to be about one-third of capacity of the Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. An interesting point here that I also wanted to mention is Tampa Bay didn't allow 20,000 fans in their stadium at any point during the season. So this is going to be a way more at capacity, close to capacity than any of those games. The state of Florida permitted stadiums to operate at full capacity as of October, but none of the state's three NFL teams went to that extreme. Those teams being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Miami Dolphins, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Also, I don't think if the teams were allowed to go at full capacity, the Jaguars would have even got close to that. Anyways, 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 it's a different story, different story. We're getting close to time here, so I bring up one more thing. The Blue Jays signing Marcus Simeon to a one-year, $18 million contract. Mark Shapiro, the Blue Jays, said a couple days ago that, quote, the heavy lifting is done, end quote, following their busy offseason, signing a couple all-stars in Simeon and George Springer. Uh, Simeon, like I said, going to become the second star 
along with Springer, and fourth free agent added by the Blue Jays this offseason. Uh, Simeon came off a career year in 2019. He struggled last year dealing with a rib injury, and he only hit seven home runs, 24 RBIs, and four stolen bases. But, good point here, Simeon's 151 runs scored since the start of the 2019 season rank among ranks second among all American League players, and his 100 extra base hits rank fifth. This is his ninth MLB season, but there's no doubt Blue Jays fans are going to be backing him up, and it's going to be exciting to see him playing on the infield for the Blue Jays. It's like I said last week, this team's going to be super exciting to watch after that Springer deal, and even more exciting with the signing of Marcus Simeon and all these young guys. So that's going to do it for time here. I'll end it with another on this day in history, taking it back to not not all the way back to 1943, but 1990, so not that long ago. The San Francisco 49ers defend their NFL championship, winning their fourth Super Bowl overall with a absolute throttling 55-10 win over the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl 24. So that's it. That's all I have for today. Make sure to tune in next week, guys, where... You know, who knows what I'll discuss. It all depends on what unfolds in the world of sports this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and stay safe out there.